This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. to a special bonus episode of Better Late Than Never. This week, I am joined by my friend Josh. Josh, what's up? It's Friday the 13th. That's right. <sighs> That's right, Josh. It is literally Friday the 13th today. Yes, we're going to timestamp this one. It is Friday the 13th. We're going to do a lot of topical humor. It's the day after the Democratic presidential debate. The scintillating. Oh, uh, man. Unbel- unbelievably interesting. It was wild the way that those Democrats debated. And to keep it topical and to talk about something that was just as interesting. I'm interested. Carolina Panthers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers oh last night. Oh, my God. Oh, a game for the ages. I can't believe the Bucks pulled it off. An absolute barn burner of a game, too. And not even like a big one for Jamiston Winston. Jam- yeah, Jamiston Winston. J- <laughs> Jamiston w- Wilson. Uh, yeah, but Wilson Fisk. He did not have a great game. I know this because of fantasy football, and yet they still won. It's a weird thing about football. Hey, good for them. Good for them. Great for DJ Moore. But uh, yeah, so I guess maybe we're burying the lead. Josh, what are we going to be watching today here on Friday the 13th? Oh, uh, we're going to be watching a little movie called Friday the 13th. Bum, bum, bam! Now, Josh, um, I am a little bit ashamed to say this, but uh, this will be an instance in which I have never seen this film. I've never seen this film. Neither of us have seen the film. It's weird. Yeah, and now, I'm ashamed to say it because I'm actually... I am a horror fan, and I'm also, I would say, kind of a fan of this franchise in general, and yet I've never seen the original movie. Well, I'm a fan of horror movies, but they were largely censored in my house as a kid. Yes, uh, we've heard about how uh, strict it was. No, I know, but horror like this is the type of thing I was thinking uh, coming into this episode, how it's everyone had to see Friday the 13th, not just because it was a hit, like big, I think it was a hit. But also because it was always on the VHL, VHS store at the video rental spot. Well, some of them. Like, there's always at least a movie from the franchise there. Yes, but I think from the mid-80s to the mid-90s, the OG one was largely there. Because here's... All right, so you've talked a lot about rental stores and VHSs on the pod. Yeah. And I don't want to go down that black hole, but I one element of them I think is important to focus on is... They got mo- cornerstone movies and then held on to them. So there was always a wave of come movies coming out of the theater and they'd be in a big deal at the rental store and then being swept out of rotation. But the OGs, your Nightmares on Elm Street, your Friday the 13th, always available. Yeah. Your Child's Play. Your Halloween. Your uh, 
uh, Critters won. <laughs> yeah, oh, of course. Of course. Uh, house, ha- uh, house Party won and House Party 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yep, can't forget that one. Can't and of course, uh, oh God, I can't think of another franchise. Stripes. Well, a horror one. Stripes 2. Okay, scary. Meatballs 2. No yeah, Bill Murray. They went in radically different directions with the sequels. Very gory. So we're both fans of horror. And you know what we're also both fans of? Fall. Yes, indeed. And it is officially fall. So, listener, I'd like you to have you know that we are getting ready for this movie by drinking pumpkin spiced beer. It's finally time. <laughs> it's finally here. Pumpkin spice beer. <laughs> pumpkin spice season, baby. We are fall AF up in this house. And I, I gotta say, like, I know it's 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 pretty hip these days to to rag on pumpkin spice you know but i'm i'm gonna just put it out there i fucking love it dave you coined the the phrase pumpkin spice right i i mean i don't want to take credit for inventing pumpkin spice the flavor but i am gonna take credit for making it a thing like i you know kind of like the the guy who discovered the beatles and like made you know I like I'm not a member of the Beatles, but I'm the guy who found the Beatles. Who is that? Oh, I don't know. It doesn't. We matter. should know that guy. Nah, it's not. Important. That's a good guy to know. No, nah, no, nah, it's not. Not. I not. mean, there was a producer they worked with a lot, uh, and not not that one. Yeah, I think there's actually like a book about him called The Fifth Beatle. Well, there's also The Fifth Beatle, which I feel like we've talked about on this podcast before. Uh, Billy Preston, key, uh, who played the keys. Oh well, whatever. The point no, is, don't well, I, whatever Billy Preston. He wrote the song "Nothing from Nothing." He was a huge deal. Yeah, but he might have been a huge deal, Josh. But I made pumpkin spice a thing. Okay, but he was legitimately the fifth Beatle. So I, I get like, would you rather be the fifth Beatle or the person who pioneered pumpkin spice? I mean, I think pumpkin spice is pretty delicious, and it I brought is, it to the masses. It so, is good. You know, I uh, I spent sixty dollars last year on uh, buying like a eight pack of starbucks pumpkin spice coffee grounds money well spent and i justified it by saying well if i buy eight for 60 it's you know it's less than uh six dollars you know a bag and i made it i had it for months it was amazing mm-hmm. and once that stuff goes off the shelves good luck mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it hasn't come onto the shelves yet we're lucky that pumpkin beer is like always beer's always a little bit ahead of the season coffee's always a little bit behind Hmm. And no, mm-hmm. no pumpkin spice coffee yet that I have seen. So anyway, I love the fall. Love the fall. And part of what I love about the fall is that it's my favorite movie season. And part of that movie season is I just fucking love horror movies. And I, it, I was gonna say I even love the bad ones, but I would, I would say I maybe especially love the bad ones. And the Friday the Thirteenth ones are like the. The, the the absolute apex of what I'm talking about with that. These are the most formulaic, the most, just the, the absolute shittiest, most take-it-for-granted slasher movie. You know all of the beats ahead of time. Well, like, and I, like you it's have, comfort food. You have talked about this Mandela effect. Uh, well, that's that's the wrong phrase. You've talked about this on the podcast before, how you are familiar with a classic movie because it is so heavily referenced and because it set the standard for a lot of other movies. And created a formula. So something like Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods exists because of Friday the 13th. You wouldn't have it if it wasn't for Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. 
Uh, we wouldn't have Hostel. We wouldn't have the Saw series. I mean, all, all of these movies that... Then also, or also all these riffs on the genre. So yeah. Like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Hack Slash or like, I, I don't know what else, anything that makes fun of a slasher. Now, I'll tell you what. my Final girl. I bet there are people on the internet that would correct this and say, well, Friday the 13th wouldn't exist if you didn't have Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, it wouldn't exist if you didn't have Halloween. I have not seen either of those movies. Oof. Well, we got time. Halloween's still coming up, and we can fit those in, baby. Yeah, just to be completely transparent, it's September 13th, 2019. If you couldn't pick that up by the context clues, I'm sorry. But, uh, oh, I'm just kidding. We're recording this an hour before it airs, because we, because uh, Dave, this is a fill-in episode, and all of this stuff about it being Friday the 13th is a joke. Yeah. Listener, you decide what's real. Construct your own reality. But, um, anyway, so... Long story short, I adore this franchise. I've so you've seen other you've seen other movies in this franchise. I've seen a lot of them, not all of them. I think there are other installments of this franchise that I haven't seen, but I know I've caught all or most of a lot of them. I think the only one I've seen is Freddy versus Jason. Oh, geez, not even a standalone Jason movie. Nope. Jesus Christ. Well, all right. Well, let's let's talk about this a little bit. Absolutely. So uh, this being a bonus episode, I didn't do the same kind of research, and I feel like playing it a little looser than normal, so that's why this is a bonus episode. This We're just kind of jumping into it and playing it loose. Better late than never. Off the grid. After dark. After dark. Perfect. Yeah. You say you're a fan of horror. Yes. So what are the horror movies that you like? Leprechaun. Okay. I love the Leprechaun as a series. I've seen every every part of it except Leprechaun in the Hood 2 and the reboot, which I tried to watch. It was it was really bad. I believe you. I'm also a big fan of uh like gore horror movies like Evil Dead, uh Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, uh Dead Alive. Right, right. Um I'm pretty sure when I was in high school, I was a sort of like mini blown away by Scream. And then obsessed we'll talk with... about like one of those movies that couldn't exist without the slasher films. Yeah, for it to riff off of. Yeah, I loved how so, like super meta, self aware it was, and sort of. There's also... even the beginning of Scream. That's the question she gets wrong to get killed. Right? What's that? Um. So at the beginning of Scream, Drew, you say she Drew, Drew Barrymore, Barrymore is on the phone with the killer, which is one of those things. As a kid, I was like, "How is the biggest star in this movie?" <laughs> Just like a cameo that's gone in the first five minutes. Well, that's the great thing about Scream is that they kill her right away. Yeah. It's such a great shock. Well, that's Wes Craven, right? Yes, it is. Uh, he's a smart guy. He was great at making horror movies. Yes. Most of the time. Um, so she's getting quizzed about horror movies. And one of the questions is, uh, who's the killer in Friday the 13th? And she says, Freddy. She says, Jason. Oh. Oh, yeah. So this is the thing. Spoiler alert. That's... I was going to say this. All right. I was alluding to this before we started recording. This is, a, I've never seen this movie, but I'm aware that Jason is not the killer in this movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we give the spoiler at the, at the beginning, but there will be spoilers for this. But that's a prediction that I think we could both easily have. And it's the thing everyone knows about this movie, right? It's Which just, is that Jason isn't the killer in the first yes, one. It's, it's Jason's mom. It's, his, it's, the, it's like the thing you just... Everyone everyone knows that about uh, Friday the 13th yes. one. It's that Jason's mom is the killer in yes. that one. Yes. Did you also, but here's what I don't know. Yeah. Does she wear a hockey mask? Do you want me to answer that? No. Okay. And we if, were going to watch the movie. Don't answer that one. But I assume she does because 
I mean, that's Jason. That's the whole fu- flipping thing. That's the whole flipping thing. Yeah. Um, it's a good thing you said that because I was literally in the process of giving you a trivia fact about the hockey mask. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to know. Okay. I won't tell you. I don't know. I want to know. I don't want to know if she uses a machete. I don't want to know if Danny Trejo is the star of the movie Machete. I don't want to know. Uh, <laughs> if Jeff Fahey appears I don't in a want- cameo role as I- he does in the movie Machete. <laughs> I don't know if Mel Gibson is in Jason 2 like he's in Machete 2. I don't want to know if Lady Gaga is oh in the movie. Oh my goodness, she is. she is in Machete 2. She is. Mach- the Machete series is not a horror series, but it is kind of like a gore series. It's, it's fun. It's it's a uh, listener. If you're into B movies and horror movies, maybe you want to watch Machete 1 and 2. Let me ask you this. You haven't seen any of the films from this franchise. Except for Freddy, Freddy v. Jason. Right. Um, so I, I was going to ask you if you liked this series, but uh, have you seen any of the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street films? Yeah, we've personally watched several of them together. Oh. It's, it's a little rude that you had to ask that. I don't have a functional memory. Um, we have. I've So actually, it's a sort of funny thing because I said horror movies were sort of censored in my in my house. I watched A Nightmare on Elm Street at a chorus Halloween party. Actually, one year, we watched When a Stranger Calls the sequel. When a Stranger Calls Again. When a Stranger Calls Back, I think is what it's called. When a Stranger Star 69. It's called When a Stranger Calls Back. No, that's a porno. Well, it's called When a Stranger Calls Again. Uh, and it stars, I think, Roddy. I think Roddy McDowell is, is a psycho uh like killer i can see it and it's actually a really good psychological drama and then i think the next year the movie was a nightmare on elm street was the first time i got to see it because of the type of thing that my mom would not want me to watch at home but that was loud and i and the big thing about nightmare on elm street obviously johnny depp's big movie yep he's it's it's also it's like you know of course it's johnny depp so he's got like big eye shadow he's he's sort of his character seems drunk all the time and he's gorgeous and if he's great look he's like you know yeah. And then he dies in a tsunami of blood. Similar to Drew Barrymore West in Wes Craven's Not scream. as much blood. Well, no, but early in the movie. Mm, not that early, buddy. Oh, really? It's been a while since I've watched that one. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Jason. So, Josh. And his Argonauts. You've never actually seen any of these films, but you've seen one of the crossovers, which is probably enough, and you've also been out in the culture at large. So, let's give this a shot. Okay, wait, can I just make one prediction? Well, that's what we're doing. Oh. Let's get some of your predictions down on what you think you're going to see in this movie. I'm sorry, when you said let's give this a shot, I assumed you meant like... That was gonna be the key up for let's watch the movie. No, we're gonna we're gonna give a shot to what you think some of the beats are it and is, like what what you think is gonna happen in this it's film. It's set at a sleepaway camp. Okay. And the kids are gonna die. Uh and Safe the first bet. kids that die are gonna be ones that are uh hooking up. Okay. Uh the I think it's gonna have a Jaws type of thing where the camp directors and the local police refuse to admit that anything is wrong. Like a Jaws mare thing yeah. going on. I, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point during the movie, like Jaws, they catch a red herring bad guy. Okay. Um, and I have a feeling there's going to be one or two, probably two individuals, a, uh, a boy and a girl, who we are introduced to early on in the movie who serve as the viewer's lens to this whole uh, nightmare. 
but I also believe that someone will survive. Okay. Like Beyonce's song, someone's got to be a survivor. Yeah, yeah. Like that Beyonce song, uh, I Will Survive. Uh, No, that's by Cake. I'm going to say at some point, I do believe that someone is going to say the line, in space, no one can hear you scream. Of course, that's famously from this film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And uh, I also believe that at some point, someone's going to say, I don't know about you guys. I'm just so glad that it's Friday the 13th. Do you think the movie takes place on Friday the 13th? I don't think it's, no, I don't think it's a single day. Mm, Okay. I don't think that, that just seems like too uh, heady too heady i feel like movies in the 80s but this movie i or here's a prediction this movie is from the 80s i honestly don't know um but i think that movies from the 80s like took their time so i can't imagine this takes place over the course of one day okay okay anything else well other than the the thing we all know it's gonna it's gonna ultimately end up that it's Jason's mom, and also I know that something Jason tragically drowned at this camp. Right. But I am also intrigued to see how this sort of sets, like, and it might not. Maybe we'll have to watch, maybe we can do another one of these and watch the second one. But, like, I'd like to see how this sets the plot of Jason 2 in motion. Because Jason does eventually become the, like, eventually it is Jason. Oh yeah, it's not in this movie. That's that's the big trivia thing. But eventually, it is. So how the f does that happen? I don't know. Um, what do you have? Any what? What's your predictions? You have any phrases? Anything you remember that you think is going to be said in this? Yeah, some of them are repeats of yours. So obviously, we all know the killer is Jason Mom. <clears throat> Jason Momoa. <laughs> yeah, it's this. It's this pumpkin beer. It's already got me on my ass. Um, so we all know that the killer is Jason's mom. I feel I like identify more with the flop house ever because usually we don't drink during these. So this is like, but we do pretty- this time, baby. It's, cause a- it's a bonus. Bonus. Better late than never. After dark. After dark. So, and also, I mean, you just get the backstory from all the other sequels in the franchise over and over again. So. We all know the story. Ugly, deformed Jason Voorhees goes to a summer camp. Well, deformed? He's ugly or deformed somehow. He goes to a summer camp, and the counselors aren't paying attention because they're too busy smoking weed and having oh, premarital sex. Oh, whoa. And so he drowns. I think the camp closes because of the scandal, but then the camp reopens. And when the camp reopens, all of a sudden the murders start happening, right? And so the other prediction I have is that um, in all the Jason movies, you get a lot of these um, POV shots from the killer's point of view. And there's um, a sound effect associated. It's this like, you know, have you ever heard that before? Yeah, it's it's from this. So I think it'll start in this movie. I got, But that's also a bit of a knockoff from uh, from Halloween. How do you know? You've never seen it. Well, I've seen Halloween. I've seen other Halloween movies, and the thing that's famous is, is the piano riff. Dun, 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 But that's music. This is a this sure. is more of a sound effect. Okay, just well, like a... 
But it's an ominous repeating thing that lets you know the kill that's the, you're seeing the killer's POV. Well, I think as we watch this movie, it'll be a safe bet that the ripping off of Halloween will be a recurring theme. Um, other stuff. Uh, so there will be a final girl. And um, another thing that I know happens in this movie. So if you want to block your ears, you I'm going to earmuff it, listener. I'm taking okay. the cans off and I'm walking into a soundproof room. So, of course, the other thing that is pretty famous about this movie that I feel pretty safe calling is that there's the famous uh, final shock at the end of the film, which is that uh, the final girl has gotten away and she's in like a rowboat or whatever kind of boat in the middle of the lake. And she's laying there and all seems well. Mama Voorhees has been taken away by the police. But then all of a sudden, right at the very end, holy shit, the ugly, disgusting, deformed Jason uh, Voorhees jumps out of the water from the lake and grabs her. And that's the end of the movie. So I know we're going to get that, too. Reminds me a lot of uh, the ending of Carrie. So I don't know if they're ripping that off, too, in addition to Halloween. But, uh, you know, I guess we'll find out. All right. Let's get Josh back here. Yo. That was a better late than never first. Kicking someone out for a second? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then the only other thing that I would predict is that uh, obviously, um, because that's what this movie is obsessed with, we're going to get a lot of our murder victims smoking weed and having that sweet, sweet premarital S. Yeah. It's funny. Is this a weed like sex? Is this a weed? Uh, is this a, a, a weed scare movie? Like, totally. Is this the idea? Was we were trying to scare away our our youths? Well, I mean, sort of, but I think also it's like for titillation. You said it, not me. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I have a question. Um, was that your last prediction? It was. Okay. All right. I, so, do sorry. you have any more predictions? Uh, that we're gonna enjoy that live and fall out of this movie i gotta say i am actually pretty pleased to finally be catching up with this film i mean i love this series so to actually be watching the first one is pretty exciting yeah it's a it's always great to hit like an iconic movie that you know is not going to be boring mm. or at least you hope is not yeah be i mean it may very well be boring we'll find out uh but also um we've done a lot of these pods and not to say that i've taken them all like super seriously but this is a, a just a fun opportunity to like really embrace the spirit of like catching up on a movie you missed and not have too much uh critical or scientific weight behind it because of the genre exactly uh great all right well let's kick 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 ja 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 yeah whatever you just said all right we'll be back Hello? Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? One.
weren't doing anything. We were just messing around. Yeah, that was real weird. You thought it was weird? We're back. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to Better Late Than Never After Dark. After Dark. After Dark. After Dark. After Dark. After the Dark. So that was Friday the 13th, bro. Holy crap. Did you like it? I thought it was great. Yes, I loved it. You loved it. I loved it. Oh, right on, right on. I didn't love every aspect of it. But I actually understand why it is the benchmark, why it's like the signpost, why so many movies have uh, taken, you know, their cues from it. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a great on the whole, but it's great as an entity. Well, what did you like best about it? I mean, what are some of the things that you uh, felt like made you? made you see that it was deserving of this benchmark status i found it surprisingly suspenseful okay i was actually like anxious nervous okay uh i felt like i was you know outside of some of the humorously like bad decisions of the cast members and there are many i was truly sort of on board with them I don't think they made such terrible decisions because they're never like nowadays people think about things in that meta way where it's like, okay, well, you know, if I were in a horror movie, this would be a bad decision. So I'd better not do this. But they didn't know that back in 1980. No, but there are a few times in the movie we talked about once in specifically where there's an opportunity to push an upright beat a piano in front of a door and the and the choice is to stack 
loose pieces of furniture yeah, that, and boxes. That, that wasn't quite the best option she could have taken. But you know, she's she's panicking, her adrenaline's pumping. She doesn't make the best possible choice. You know, yes. that's understandable. But when your adrenaline is pumping, is the best time to try and move an upright piano. Probably, yes. Uh so no, I thought actually it was surprisingly it was hokey. Uh it was a maybe perhaps a bit more hokey than I uh expected, but I think what's odd is that it never that never impacted my judgment of it. Yeah. Like the hokiness was like, okay, this is part of it. Yeah. And it's still scary. And I think that's impressive because you can like we talked to the on part one about how we watch a lot of horror movies. It's easy for a horror movie to to be hokey and unscary. Yeah. Well to tell you the truth, um, I usually am not looking to Friday the 13th movies as horror movies to scare me. I'm looking at them as horror movies to be that comfort food where it's like, I just want a horror movie where like, I know all the beats and I know what's going to, you know, I want it to be that familiar popcorn thing. Okay. You know, where I just, you know, I, I consume it. And it feels nice, but I'm not necessarily getting something that uh, challenging or even that scary necessarily. Sure, sure. And and I didn't think this was really that scary either. You did not end. feel tense. You were not maybe a couple of times, but not very much. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, man. I mean, I, I just, mean, I liked it. I mean, I just don't know. I don't know why you're not like. I've I'm trying to think of other movies like Nerves of Steel, bro. Like just an absolute rock. This guy. I mean, you watch a movie. I I feel like though that's to me the sign of a of whether a horror movie landed correctly or not. Well, if we're actually like getting into it, I think part of it is that having seen so many of the sequels and knowing the formula of the Friday the Thirteenth film so well at this point. Even with the first one, or I guess maybe especially with the first one, I just knew what was coming so well that n- th- there weren't a lot of surprises there. I was I was genuinely surprised. Yeah, but, but for I me there was just there was nothing to make me that tense. A lot of my predictions were wrong. Apparently, no, no, plenty of them were good. So you know, it was set at a camp where yeah, Jason let's drowned. Get, let's get into it. All right, all right. So you were right that it was set at a camp. Jason drowned there. Uh, kids did in die. In the 50s! Yes, in the 19th. The early scene, this movie starts in 1958. And there's... So I thought this was so odd, is that it's 1958, and there's kids gather around playing a prayer... Like a hymnal song. Well, it's like a Christian it's a, camp It's a Christian song. camp song. But I don't think that's that weird. I mean, it's not the sex, blood, and drugs kids of the 80s, like... Well, but then the two counselors immediately go off to have sex. Okay, but there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I beg your pardon, there is everything wrong with that. They those sh- two are not married. That doesn't... <laughs> Josh, those Dave. two are not Dave. having intercourse within the confines of the holy yeah. act of union that is matrimony. Yeah. Okay, this is not sex that has been blessed by god yeah all right it could result in an std 
They, in pregnancy, do not deserve to die. I disagree. There's there's nothing about it. It's like so odd. It's like actually not what I expected at all. I really, really? Thought, you didn't think that the the premarital sex counselors were going to get killed. I I thought this movie. Was, well, first of all, I did not expect this movie to start in 1958. Well, I didn't expect that either. I thought it was going to start in the pre- 80s, present day, 80s. in the present day, in the 80s. 80s. Yeah, <laughs> in present day, 81 off. <laughs> off to the off to the races. Yeah, I thought it was going to start in the 80s. So the fact that it opened with a flashback, I thought we would at least see the death of Jason. Right, but we start, so what I we thought what is would that, happen uh, is that it's a group of camp counselors who are too busy praying about God, and then one kid was at the lake. But that's the, that's not what it is. It's, I think this movie, this script by the way, is fucking bonkers. I don't know who wrote it or how they sold it, but, like, if I was gonna pitch that, I think you would laugh at me. I think you'd be like, that's a terrible idea for a movie. Hey, here's the idea, executives. Um, I show the murder of a couple of kids uh, for no reason, and then the movie is about the murder of more kids for no reason 30 years later, but then we reveal the reason at the end of the movie, they'd be like, "Well, it's riding the wave of Halloween." Yeah, I mean, it's weird. No. So yes, it's fifty-eight. We don't spend very long in nineteen fifty-eight. So we, we do f- get the great. We do get the great thing though. So it's fifty-eight. They're singing Jesus songs, and then two of them go off to make coitus, and this is obviously bad. Two yes, people making virginal, uh, non-virginal, love. non-virginal love. Yes, uh, and they're in the attic of some you know bunk dorm barn barn it is a barn and then some this is actually one thing that i so the camera shot we get a yeah we get that uh killer pov right away we get the pov it's an it's a it's an unsteady it's like a handheld cam but it was i what so confused me was it was the 80s so they I don't know how they did that. Did they have a giant film camera on someone's shoulder who just did like, it's like, I imagine so. Yeah. It's pre shaky cam. It's OG shaky cam. Yeah. It's actual shaky cam. Yeah. But it's a giant film camera. Yeah. I was like, how did they get the dolly? Cause the shot goes into the cabin and it looks right. And it kind of bobs up and down, looks left. And then eventually makes its way all the way through the cabin. I was like, Kudos to whoever had to actually carry a film camera at that time. And they did it without you seeing the track on the floor. So in the in the olden days of film, if they had to do a tracking shot like that, you they would have to lay out actual track, like a train. And the camera would have to ride along it on a dolly. But in this, it's seemingly handheld, but sort of not. I mean... I thought it was awesome. Well, there are plenty of times in this movie where it's shaky enough that it's clearly handheld. But yeah, I'm just not sure how they... I mean, I'm saying it's impressive. Yeah. yeah uh, sure. It's like the early... I mean, JJ... Sometimes. Maybe J.J. Abrams is a big Friday the 13th fan. Maybe. That's so then You got the idea. So the teens, they go off... They go up into the uh, upper stairs of the barn. And right away we get our kick, 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 ja, ja, ja. Yeah. 
and uh, you which know, is s- not particular. I'll be honest, is not particularly scary. Oh, whatever. It's just a, it's just a franchise staple. That's but all. then the heroine, the guy get the guy dies almost immediately. Yeah, he's killed by someone. We don't know who yet. And then the heroine, she has a. I, I said this to Dave. There's a full door to her left, like a wooden door. She goes to her right and grabs a small box and throws it in the path. Well, again, you know, when you're panicking, you don't make the best decisions. I know, but it just is like one of those, like, <laughs> then set dress it differently so that there isn't a great, like, either use the object that is available, that is actually going to serve your purpose. Look, if you're ever running from anyone and you look around the room, don't go for the smallest object available made of the flimsy and st- the well, when was the last purpose? time you were confronted with a murderous killer uh, woman who wanted to avenge her son's death? I mean, in this day and age, Dave, I mean, I don't mean to be grim, but if you're if you're if you're in trouble, use something big, use something large and wooden, especially if it's in, if it's near you. All right. I don't know if you noticed. um, but uh the horny teens scene it was uh i don't know if you felt like that scene played out in a way that could be described as maybe a little bit porny uh, i'd say voyeuristic but yeah yeah well keep that in mind because that's something we'll talk about okay yeah all right so then we smash cut to present day that's right 1980 and we meet uh annie so is that it 1980 yeah that's when this movie was made. Yeah. So how when was Halloween made? Seventy seven. Uh, yeah, it came out in seventy eight. Okay. So the deal with this movie is that uh, Halloween comes out in seventy eight. The most successful independent film ever made. Is that true? In terms of box office, yes. Huh. I actually didn't know that. Um, but it I did know that it was a huge hit and incredibly influential, and it basically establishes this new genre called the slasher genre and people immediately start trying to cash in on it and one of the uh first and most successful cash-ins was this movie friday the 13th yeah and so I, I would almost say yeah i don't know if it's cash in oh it is very much a cash-in and a rip-off and uh but you haven't seen halloween though i've seen other michael myers movies okay but um there's a lot of the original Halloween's DNA in this film. Okay. You know, with the the one killer stalking the teens and murdering them one by one and, you know, having a final girl. And, you know, eventually, as I think you discovered over the course of this film, there's no iconic hockey mask in this movie. No. But ultimately, uh, Jason does get his own mask to wear in this series. Yeah, like Michael Myers has. I'm. Yeah, I mean, I will. Uh, I will say that there's something about it that, uh, as a person who has gone camping and done it both in the uh, young teen adult form, where you're camping with counselors, and done it as an adult, where you're camping um, on a site, and also as an adult offsite sort of in the wilderness um camping is scary so sure you're very vulnerable so they definitely took the even if they were 
uh, cribbing Halloween directly, they did have the inventive I like adding I the element of being out in the woods and vulnerable like that is is cool. Yeah, that was it's smart. A cool idea. It's it, it lends some originality to to it. Sure, 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 sure. I, I'm not. I don't want to hate on them. So yes. So are we demonstrating history or what are we doing here? I think we're just talking about the movie. All right. Playing it loose because this is a BLTN after dark. After dark. After dark. Um, another thing that I did not know about this movie is that- um, I, I wrote down Sweet Barn. As Nightmare on Elm Street had Johnny Depp. Oh my God. This movie also had a hunky teen heartthrob. Josh, would you care to tell us who's in this movie? Oh my God. This movie has all points lead back to five degrees of separation and five degrees of Kevin Bacon. You sure about that number? What? It's not three, three, three degrees. It's clearly 12 degrees. 12 what? What? Uh, separation? 12 degrees of separation, yeah. From the Kevin. famous play. Oh. But if anyone ever asks you, it's like a game. You play five degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon. Like, for example, can you connect Kevin Bacon to... Uh, I'm just going to say... Chawata F4. With whom? Ch- the gentleman who's like from he was the children of men she would tell edgia for yeah i can uh how many steps do you think it should take uh well it's five degrees of separation is it it's not 12 no it's not 12 what? i was just kidding but it's not five either what is it it's six six yeah it's six six degrees of kevin bacon six degrees of se- separation all right okay six degrees can you do it Kevin Bacon at Chewetelogy for? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I can. Yeah. Okay. Uh Chiwetel Ejiofor was in Children of Men. Let's see if I can do it from Children of Men. Hang on. Da, 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 da. This is making for riveting audio. Oh, I love it. I'll just cut the silence. Um You've got one step. Let's do Kevin Bacon and Mystic River to uh, Lawrence Fishburne, who's also in Mystic River. You're, you're, yep, you're moving in a direction. Then Lawrence Fishburne is in. It's so hard. <laughs> it's not that hard. Well, what do you have? Uh,. Uh, Kevin Bacon was in, uh, let's see, uh, Chewetla 4. What? Chewetla I 4. You've criticized every pronunciation I've tried to give of this name. Maybe you should have picked a different actor. No, I love this guy. He's one of my favorites. Not well enough to learn how to say his name, apparently. Chewetla 4. Is in the movie American Gangster with Russell Crowe. Okay. Who is in the movie. Uh, I think I've just like sort of just started. You've lost the thread, movies. but I've got yes. it. I've got it. Okay. okay. 
Kevin Bacon is in Mystic River with Lawrence Fishburne, who is married to Gina Torres, who is in That's the not, movie Serenity. Can't do that. With Chiwetel Ejiofor. Can't do that. You can definitely do nope, that. Nope, can't do married. Can't do married. Anyway. No, not anyway. Not so, anyway. We're doing this. We're doing this. All not right. only is Kevin Bacon Hope, in this movie. No, we're finishing this thread. Chiwetel Four is in... Uh, okay, we should uh, we should move on. There's got to be a way to solve this. Probably. Okay, let's move on. So I don't even remember what we were talking about. I don't either. Just the presence of Kevin Bacon. Much like Johnny Depp before him, too, Kevin Bacon is also killed in bed by someone who's kind of hiding under the bed. Like, their deaths are very similar. Yeah, I didn't think that was very fair to him. What do you mean? I mean, he's just lying there. What, the murder isn't fair? Yeah. He doesn't have a chance to fight back? Well, none of the murders are fair. She sneaks up on him and then stabs I know, him but at least su- suspect it. She was in the cabin? Yeah. That's gross. Well, she's an old woman. Like, she can't really, like, you know, you saw when she's fighting Alice at the end, she can't really win in a fair knockdown drag out one-on-one fight with most of these kids. No, she only got Annie because she spilled out of the car. Yeah. And she was, like, wounded. But the other she catches up. by surprise. So, wait, we haven't even really gone through this, though. Like, are we doing plot or... Yeah, I guess, kind of, sort of, a little bit. Mostly so, just talking about what we liked about the Here's movie. the plot. The plot is, boom, you're in the 50s. Boom, you're in present day. Well, guess what's happening? Annie is new to town, and she's supposed to be the cook for a local campsite. She rolls into a diner and says, hey, because she's hitchhiking, which m- apparently my uncle and aunt said is was pretty normal, like in the 70s. They hitched all the way from Rhode Island to California. I guess this is still, even in 1980, a little bit before they got into Stranger Danger. But Stranger Danger is made up, like, it was just people looking for rides, like, yeah. I got taught Stranger Danger. No, I know we all did, but that was a myth that like, Oh, we're going to protect the hitchhikers by teaching people that people in cars are creeps. It wasn't a myth for Annie, Josh. Wow. Look what happened to that poor girl. She got her fucking throat cut. And it was actually like, so... This is a movie, Dave. Another thing we discovered in the watching of this This is that... This was not a documentary. Legendary makeup artist Tom Savini worked on this film. Yes. And his work was evident in some of the more creative kills, including Annie's death, which had a pretty cool throat slash, and Kevin Bacon's death, which I would say was probably the best death in terms of how cool looking the actual murder looked. Like, you got the Kevin Bacon's death as he's lying on a bed, and an arrow is pushed up from under the bed, through the back of his neck, and then out the front of his throat and you actually see the arrow like pushing against the inside of his skin before it like pops out the front and everything it looked really cool no it was great i mean i think the gore levels i thought the sfx of this were solid they were although one thing that this movie other than those kills i think what this movie did a lot maybe part of why i wasn't too scared by it and i think the jason films tend to do this frequently uh at least some of them have a tendency to do this is that thing where they don't show the actual too many cutaways yeah it's like uh you know the person screams cuts away and then it cuts back and there's an axe in her face yeah something like that or you don't see the murder but then like you know alice stumbles across the body and it's full of arrows some of that i thought hats off that was actually genuinely scary but sometimes yeah sometimes you'd get 
uh, you're like the jet, like the guy who was like the comedy guy. All right, so we're we're going way out of order, but uh, don't so, worry about that. This is an after dark. Yeah, but I want to give some of the I want to give enough of the plot so that people understand what we're talking about. Sure, sure. So. Annie, who is uh, new to town, is hitchhiking to camp. She asks about the camp, and this is something that I actually didn't know from the other ones. I guess this falls out of the canon, is that uh, the locals call Camp Crystal Lake Camp Blood. Camp Blood. You're going to Camp Blood? And they all basically say, something's not going to go right there. And Including as, one guy in particular. As soon as she steps out of the diner, though, some, some guy is like, I'll drive you most of the way there. She steps out of the diner and there's a guy named Ralph. Ralph. Who's like, you can't go there. You're gonna die. Everyone's gonna die. Oh, Ralph. <laughs> and then what does Ralph do? <laughs> Ralph jumps on his bicycle and bikes off into the sunset. It is one of them, like, it's not intended to be comical, but it is like in this. I don't Oh, it's really funny. It's pretty silly. It's so stupid. Now, does Ralph ever- If Ralph was actually concerned about what was happening, he wouldn't just- The guy's like, get out of here, Ralph. And he's like, ah. Well, now, hang on a second, Josh. I think he is concerned because what does Ralph do later in the movie? He hides in a pantry so yeah. that he can warn them again. Yeah. And then what does he do after that? <laughs> so his bike rides away. <laughs> it's so hot. <laughs> It's like, and he's also dressed like he's fucking Buster Keaton. <laughs> yeah, he really looks like a cartoon. Oh my god! Like every part about it is like, and it is, it is parodied or like referenced in uh, Cabin in the Woods, and in like, I, I really appreciated the the idea that the locals were like, oh, uh, you know, we're we don't trust this camp, but we'll take you to it, and that there was like a a. Uh, and then there was like uh, there was like one local who was extreme who was like no yeah. well he's never. just like the local crazy guy so Annie who's and actually Dave said I Dave was like she's gonna be the first one to die and I was like I don't think so I think oh she's... no I didn't say that at first at first I was with you where I thought Annie would be our final girl yeah me too because she's the first introduced she has a name and she's got a personality she she seemed like a final girl then we got introduced to a carload of kids and i said holy shit is that kevin bacon and i was like no way <laughs> it was really him it was really him oh and, my god and he's gorgeous and and we're still trying to do kevin bacon to what for oh my god learn how to say his name my what, how do you say it chiwetel Edgiafor. Edgiafor. Is that your issue with my saying his name? Well, you say you're saying like Chuafor. Okay. Of all the actors you could have picked out of all of Hollywood, you had to pick the one with the most difficult name. You could have picked. I love him. I'm a huge fan. Chris Evans. I love him, though. Yeah, me too. But I'm just saying like you're you're now on the podcast recorded failing to say his name like a million times all right well here's an easy route kevin bacon was in mystic river oh my god so anyway so we get to this camp and it's you know exactly what you would expect it's the counselors it was are not all... what i expected in my predictions it's a rundown not open camp 
there are no kids yet. It's just the counselors. They're yes. still fixing the place up in advance of the kids getting there. In a way that I found unrealistic, where she's like literally nailing in the rain gutters. I was like, is that really what they would ask the, the counselors to do? That sure. Feels- no, you'd ask carpenters to do that. No, not if you're trying to do it on the cheap. I mean, if you're in some, I mean, that's the joy of the 80s. It was still very rural. It's still very, life was still not very uh, parsed out. There are no standards for anything. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's a lot of horny teens, basically. Yeah. Hanging out. Uh, pretty much what and I expected. one camp director. Yeah, who leaves pretty who much right away. immediately leaves. Yeah, so they're all there chaperoning themselves, and they get up to what you would expect. You Monopoly. Know. <laughs> strip monopoly yeah have you ever played that version no but i'd love to we could maybe play after the after the pod sounds good sounds like a perfect way to end a better late than never after dark i'm playing it right now who's a lot landed on baltic yeah anyway take my boxers off so uh, you were wrong, though, in your prediction, Josh. There was no uh, conspiracy amongst the townspeople or local police to, or not conspiracy, but there was no Jaws Mayor effect where people were denying that something was happening. No, they knew something was happening. The townspeople were like- More on guard than anybody they else. They were like, you better stay away from that camp because it's something fucked up's happening. And it did all unfold on a single day. That's also true, yeah. Another bit of canon that I actually never picked up from any of the other movies was that Friday the 13th is Jason's birthday. Yes. And that's why she commits the murders on that day. Is that why she commits the murders on that day? Or is just I think that's part of it. Uh, all right, one thing you were wrong about. Yeah. Jason is not, def- we don't get the, no one relays that Jason is deformed in some way. Well, but you see him at the end, and he's all like... Because he's coming out of a lake! He's a deceased corpse! Well, but that wouldn't misshape your head. And we know from the other movies that he's a freak. I don't think you're right about that. I think you're trying to gloss over. Well, the other movies establish, though, that he's a freak. I mean, because he's he's come from beyond the grave. Even the one Jason movie that you've seen, Freddy vs. Jason, features a flashback to Jason's drowning, and he's portrayed as a freakish little deformed freak child. I don't remember that. Well... I do remember them smoking weed and Freddy... Being a weed like coming through as a weed caterpillar. Oh my god, that movie's terrible. But it um, has a, it has its own faux Jay and Silent Bob. It's pretty great. It's got a weird fake Jay. Yeah, anyway. there's gonna, no Silent no, Bob analog, but no, there's a weird J. It's a really weird J, faux yeah. Jay. No, dur- I remember seeing it too, and everyone in the audience was like, "Is that Jay?" No, it's <laughs> not Jason Mewes. <laughs> no. Uh, so I don't, I don't buy your thing, but okay. One one thing that I thought was a little weird though is that um. The the counselor's behavior is actually pretty tame. Like they do smoke a little grass. No, they don't. They don't do. They don't deserve to die. There's one, and sex I don't scene. hope they burn in hell. <laughs> I do, but um, you know, there's there's one. Yeah, sex they have scene. sex. They're clearly horny. Um, they're they're very horny throughout the entire thing. That is, that much is clear. And they smoke a little weed one time, but like really, they're not really up to any kind of shenanigans no this goes back to my point about the original counselors is that they were uber religious and singing christian songs they sang one kind of religious song we don't know if they were uber religious they were singing a song anyone who sings christian songs around a campfire 
is religious. I okay. hate to break it to you. All right. All right. Okay. And what I think, so at first I was like, is this a, I mean, it is sort of a weird, it is a weird evangelical type of movie where it's like these people were not religious enough, so they died. Well, so the thing about this movie and the whole franchise that is often commented upon is that it has this weird conservative morality, right? Crazy conservative. Because that's the thing about slasher films in general, but in particular this franchise, is that um, misbehavior on the part of teens in general, but also in particular teen girls, is disproportionately punished. So smoking pot, uh, drinking, and premarital sex is always punished by getting killed by a slasher. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that kind of, you know, Reagan-era conservative American 1980s morality that's reflected in this movie and the series in general. But in when the at the time this movie came out, was it, it wasn't Reagan-era because Carter was elected... Uh, I think it's safe to call it the Reagan era. I mean, era, it was though. the start of the Reagan era. It was yeah. 80. And the franchise, too. I mean... After this movie, a Jason movie came out every year for like eight years. So it's like literally the franchise is the Reagan era, you know? I think I just made the connection. I think I just made the six degrees. Okay. All right. Chowetta LaForge. Yeah. Is that better? Nope. So this, uh, this movie does have... A pretty famous last scene well do you want to jump through a little bit more of the plot sure, sure. i mean like they <sighs> yeah the teens don't do much no they don't really deserve anything they, that they happens play to them. Mon- they play strip monopoly and don't really get naked no they do not and in fact the girl um brenda she goes back to her cabin and winds up in this like little house on the prairie like she's uh, yeah, like night dress. She's reading a novel by she's, candlelight. She's wearing the most conservative thing. Yeah, and she is lured out of the house to invest by Jason, what? by by Mrs. Voorhees. Well, but she's lured out of the house into a pouring rainstorm. I might by add. this by hearing the the cries of what she thinks to be a child. So yeah. she's like a good person, you yeah. know, who's like looking to help someone. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know. Just Mrs. Voorhees, shame on you. Yeah, no, that I don't think I, I don't get the premise of this movie. Well, Mrs. Voorhees was crazy. She was a crazy, murderous bitch. And this is maybe, I, I mean, I just, don't, I, I don't mean to blow your mind with this, Josh, but a lot of the murderers in these films are not right in the no, head, I get and the people who are killed often don't deserve to be. No, I think I think it was was I find that like like to be relatively I really I really liked it. I really thought it was a good horror movie. What bothers me from a screenwriting standpoint is how did this per what did this person do? Their thirty years past. How did they make their living? Were they just around? Were they a member of the community? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I think like, she was a member of the community. Okay. Yeah. And and then she just went bonkers and started killing people again. I Well, it's every time they tried to open the camp, right? She I know, blames but, the camp. So, yes. like, you know, 
a year later she kills the people at the camp and it closes and whenever they try to open the camp there's like fires and the water something happens to the water and like you know things get messed up so it's anytime they try and open the camp back up she like sneaks in and does something to mess it yeah. all up again i mean there is that i think so we'll skip ahead uh ev- basically everyone gets killed yeah and there are there any kills in particular that you want to call out I mean, not really, except for Kevin Bacon's. He had the he had the he had the good one. Yeah, well, you know, the axe in the face looked pretty good, but we don't actually get to see it. It looked good. Yeah, but it was it was very statuesque. Yeah, I mean, because you know we don't see the actual impact; we just right. see it afterwards. Um, we don't get to see very much of the other ones. You know, the 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 when the owner gets back, we don't see any of that. He just sort of like. It's like, oh, hello, Ooh, and then that's it. We see, yeah. you know, dangling later. There's a couple of um, things that would maybe not become franchise staples, but uh, things that happen in other Jason movies that I noticed. So uh, the killing of people in outhouses is something yeah, that happens yeah. in the other Jasons, and uh, the hurling of bodies through windows yes. is something that comes up in others. Um, speaking of Halloween, there when... Alice is hiding from Mrs. Voorhees in the pantry. It's incredibly reminiscent of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis hiding from Michael Myers in the closet during Mm. the climax of Halloween. Mm. And it was actually, I think this might have been the scariest part of the film in terms of effective filmmaking and like building tension for me because she's hiding in the pantry and it's dark. And, you know, Mrs. Voorhees is just out there somewhere. And then all of a sudden we hear noise. So we know that she's in the building or in, you know, that, that cabin. Yeah. And it gets closer. And then the lights come on outside the pantry and we see all the lights coming in through the slats and just that image of Alice sort of like silhouetted against the door of the pantry with all the lights coming in through these slats. I thought was very uh, spooky no, and effective. Cool. And then you see, yeah, the, 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 the door the handle handles start to move. Yeah. That but was very scary. To knock on Alice, she's got her back to the door. Why oh, would very dumb? Yes. This doesn't make any sense. Real dumb. Real dumb. If anything, she would be standing by the door waiting for the handle to turn so she could stab something through it. And another thing that Alice does that's very stupid is that she's she fights Mrs. Voorhees several times and is presented with multiple opportunities. She she knocks her down or out a bunch and never gives her the finishing move. She no, never I'm, finishes her off. She just keeps running away. I mean, I understand she doesn't want to maybe commit murder, but like Dude, just at keep the, hitting at that At the head. very least, knock her unconscious completely. Yeah, honestly. Like, there, and, and that is the sort of humorous uh, sequence of events. For as much tension as this movie is built, and for as, as uh, devastatingly violent as it is, uh, Miss Vorsey's busts through the door and she smacks her in the head with a frying pan. Easy peasy. Like, bomb. Like, I know she just bonks her on the head, and, and that's all you need. Her response is, "Ah, oh, man, I bonked her on the head. I better run to the lake." It doesn't. I mean, well, if she could get on a canoe, she could. Maybe but get then she she doesn't. No, she, she doesn't run away. She doesn't run. I mean, I understand that, but she doesn't. She gets to the dock and she's like, "Well, there's a lot of canoes here. I could jump on and run away." But what if I just stood here silently? I know. And contemplate what happened. Now, obviously. You can never probably, I mean, there's no, no one knows what's going to happen in a moment where you're that freaked out. out. And God, and and hopefully we'll never have to understand that. 
Well, anyway, so she has this final fight with Mrs. Voorhees on the beach. Did you notice, too, what uh, Miss Voorhees' weapon was for a lot of this at the end? Uh, no. It's a machete. Oh, yeah. yeah. Establishing that, too. But uh, Alice does kill her in a pretty awesome, badass way. She cuts her head off. Fucking great decapitation. Yeah. We got the hands still, like, clutching at the end. Because I gotta tell you, through a lot of the end of this film, I kept thinking to myself... I actually like Mrs. Voorhees maybe a little bit better than Jason. She's kind of more interesting. Yeah. Because Jason, what's interesting about Jason is that um, he's inexorable. Yeah. Like the the scary thing about him, he's kind of like the it follows monster. Like you can, he's very slow. He's lumbering. So you can always kind of like run away from him and stay ahead of him, but he never stops. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's like, in, you know, you can shoot him and slow him down, but you can never kill him. So he's just always still coming. So that's the scary thing about him. And there's something to that. But he never speaks and his motivations are very sim- simple. So he's not always that interesting. Whereas Mrs. Voorhees, her like craziness and like that split personality thing she had going on where she spoke with Jason's voice. Being like, kill her, mommy okay, I'll go kill her. Kill her now! You know, like, I, I don't know, I thought she was a compelling, interesting villain, and I was like, oh man, maybe they should, like, bring her back for a sequel or something. Oh, nope, she's got her head cut off, never mind. I mean, they absolutely could. They could have. They could still. That could be a reboot. Maybe you just spawned a reboot. I mean, yes, she's a more engaging villain, but what you need f- to sustain a franchise is something that is more ethereal. A mask. Um, well, I'll, or a leprechaun. I mean, the <laughs> leprechaun is quite the character. So you could have a Mrs. Voorhees. I guess what you're saying is like you love a Mrs. Voorhees series. I'm not saying that I would love it. I just, you know, I found her to be a compelling bad guy. You know guy. what you could write and direct, Dave, is a series of prequels. Oh, yeah. All the years between... Sure, 58 and 80 where she got away with it yeah yeah and those could actually be kind of awesome and they would be non-murder movies they'd be like how she poisoned the water well we don't know that no one died that's true and you know what's actually kind of interesting about this film too is that um it's not often that the the killers in these films are women yeah usually men I don't know. That's I don't know if there's anything like more to say about that, but it's just you know it's not very common. Mm, can you think of any others? I can. I can. I'm thinking of a movie, a Stone, a Stonehurst Asylum. I think I haven't seen it. There's a couple of sort of like mid 19th century movies where the idea is that you're supposed to think a man is the killer, but then it's a woman, hmm. and it's. A trope that may have originated from this, but it does come up. It, it's a thing. All right. All right. There's a lot of there's there's a there's enough misdirections to to say not necessarily that that's not true that it never happens, but that it I think it happens because of this movie. Well, anyway, so we come to the end, and Alice has killed Mrs. Voorhees. She hasn't. Oh, I'm talking about post decapitation. Yeah. And she's uh, now out on a canoe in the middle of the lake. My favorite part about this movie, the amazing shots of the lake 
The lake yeah, always, it looks incredible. Really seemed like it made you want to go camping. It does. Yeah. And the shots of her on the lake, they're incredible. Very pretty. Very nice area. Yeah, I mean, if you take away all the brutal murders that are happening, it would seem to be a great place to live. Totally worth it. Yeah. But um, we get to the end, and as I predicted, there's this famous final jump scare, which is uh, what turns out to be kind of a dream sequence of hers, which is jason himself jumping out of the water and dragging her yes did you know this was coming no no i thought the movie was over to be honest it was very ghoulish did it scare you i was i got the jump scare yeah i was not ready for it oh cool cool. i was also was not ready for her waking up in the hospital yeah and then i actually thought that was gonna be the end Mm, yeah well exactly that's why you know you're kind of calming down and getting ready to leave and then all of a sudden it's like blood yeah i I didn't think they knew that extra scene in the hospital she's like where she's like well you know what happened right that boy pulled me into the water and they're like no there was no boy it's like well he's still there i was what sequel set up in my predictions i asked about whether we they would be setting up a sequel yeah well i guess so but they didn't set up a sequel in the way that I mean, Jason is a lumbering giant of a human. <laughs> like, that was clearly a weird still a little bat, shrimp a boy. in this one. Yeah. yeah. So I uh, did a little bit of uh, wiki surfing during the movie, uh, during some of the more boring scenes. And it turns out that that last jump scare was uh, Tom Savini's idea. Okay. Tom Savini, the legendary makeup artist who worked on this, uh, well-known for working on the George Romero films and occasionally appeared in front of the camera, too, sure. like in Dust Till Dawn. And um, a- as uh, I mentioned in part one, he did say that he was, in fact, inspired by the movie Carrie, which also has a jump scare at the end. Okay. So he said he'd seen it recently. So Never seen cool. it. That's no, good. So um, that's the end of the film. A uh, few other things I wanted to mention from what I saw uh, when I was surfing Wikipedia, is um, the guy who made this film, the producer-director, is this guy named Sean S. Cunningham. So, number one, he was indeed inspired by the success of Halloween. Like, quite li- literally, he was like, let's just make a rip-off movie and cash in on the success of this film. We'll make our own. Okay. You know? He had previously worked with Wes Craven on Last House on the Left. All right. So he had a little bit of horror experience, but um, I asked you if some of the sex scenes that we watched felt a little porny to you. He worked on porn. He worked in porn, uh, mostly softcore, but I feel like that maybe inspired the sensibility of this movie a little bit. I guess it was very voyeuristic. It was, even in the non-sex scenes, right? Because the, the you know, that POV shot of the killer watching, it's you know a staple of this franchise and in a weird way it allows us to sort of like have an excuse for watching the sex scenes yeah you know um critically you know this and this is something i knew even before coming into this the way this movie and this franchise is usually thought of is um the original halloween is very well regarded critically this movie is often seen as kind of like a pale imitation of Halloween and as sort of like a a cheap knockoff. And even though it was very successful and had, you know, made a lot of money and spawned a lot of sequels in its own right and is very famous, 
to the point where I think even in another episode, Drew actually thought that Halloween was a knockoff of Jason, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, the, the thing with these movies is that they're always viewed as kind of like they're gorier, there's more gratuitous sex and nudity, and they're generally just regarded as like less artful. Yeah. You know, there's not as much um, artistic skill or even ambition to them. It's what? just much more, you know, it's that that porny voyeuristic element to it where it's like much more um, exploitative. Well, which is evidence in the scene where early in the film, a uh, female camp counselor places a air, like a bows and arrow target on the thing. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of arrows are shot out of it from a guy who's like harassing her, and she laughs it off, and it's all cool. And then later in the movie, it's like, "I'm back on." There's a, it's not the same counselor, but it's another counselor back on the arrow lot, and all of a sudden, all the lights are on the arrow lot, and it's a cutaway, and it's like, I mean, it's it's kind of exploitative, and especially in the sense like you don't even get to see that person shot up with arrows they're saying we telegraphed what was going to happen and now what's happening is happening but i'm and we're moving on to the next one i mean there's that it's but not I very think, inventive no it's not i think the mike myers ones were like a little bit more crafty well t- yeah but that also the you know halloween didn't have you know it didn't have this conservative uh have sex and die message no in the same it was like way. A, it was a, d- just about a disturbed person and it also didn't um you know it, it wasn't uh exploitation cinema in the same way where it wasn't just showing you boobs for the sake of titillation no pun intended you know where did we movies- even see boobs i don't think we saw any uh well there was a girl who was clearly not wearing a bra in this film <laughs> but, but with uh, clothes on well, nonetheless, the I mean, as the franchise goes on, that kind of became a staple. Yeah, of it is that like you know, we get to see some skin, we get to see some drug use, some gory violence. Like that's what this whole franchise is about. So, do you think this has contributed to the you know tearing of the fabric of modern society? The moral decline of America started here. Or do you think it's just a a byproduct of it, or do you think it has no effect at all? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying I have an argument for any event, but. No, I don't think any of that. I just think I think I kind of agree with those critics where I think, you know, uh, I enjoyed this film just fine. But I do think Halloween has a little bit more to recommend it from an artistic standpoint. Okay, but, you know, not to say that I think this is a, you know, an unenjoyable film because it is, especially if you like uh, horror movies. So um, I think that sort of is launching us into our final thoughts part of the the podcast here josh what did you ultimately think of friday the 13th i thought it was very good i actually was very tense during a lot of it it was a lot of my predictions were wrong which plenty of them were right though but that made it fun and i'm just sitting here in my head thinking chowetta forge was in a movie with julianne moore who was in a movie with john goodman who must have been in a movie with Kevin Bacon or so like the connection has to be that close. Are we not, am I not able to really do this one? I used to pride myself on six degrees of separation. Yeah. I don't know. Speaking just for myself, I think that it's a pretty decent horror film. 
Uh, if you're a fan of the Jason movies, it is well worth going back to see the original. Um, despite all the smack I talked on it, especially in comparison to Halloween, I do think it's uh, fun and uh, enjoyable uh, Halloween film to watch, especially in this fall season. So yeah, it's a better late for me. So Oh yes, I definitely say this movie is a better late. Yeah. Yeah, but better late for me, I, I would definitely say. Um, not the best Jason movie, not my favorite, but uh, enjoyable. So I guess that's it for us for this week, for this uh, bonus episode, this installment of BLTN After Dark. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please email us at betterlatetheneverpod at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at betterlate underscore pod. Josh, it was great having you. And Josh, any final thoughts before I turn this thing off? Yes. Okay. Twitter LaForge was in uh, Z for Zachariah with Margot Roby, who was in Suicide Squad with Will Smith, who was in uh, Enemy of the State with uh gene hackman and if gene hackman and kevin bacon have not been in a goddamn movie together then i am gonna eat my mother loving hat Forge was in Children of Men with Julianne Moore, who is in The Big Lebowski, with John Goodman, who is in Monuments Men with Bill Murray, who was in Wild Things with Kevin Bacon.